0: to Quilt Achieve you, It's Female Financial View podcast, your monthly insight into the topics and trends that are relevant to women trying to navigate the world of finance. So you don't miss future episodes, be sure to hit the follow button on whichever streaming platform you're listening on or by following hashtag QC Female Financial View on LinkedIn. I'm your host, Vanessa Eve, investment manager based in our Leeds office, and this month I am pleased to be joined by Tamara Gillan, founder and CEO of Wealthy Her. Tamara, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for having me on. Now, I think we really need to start, for those that aren't familiar with the Wealthy Her network, exactly what it is and what was the, the catalyst and foundation for you starting it in the first place?
1: So Wealthy Her was started with a really simple mission, which was how do we empower, how do we educate uh, women, so that they advance uh, with a particular focus on prosperity, financial prosperity and and broader life prosperity as it relates to sort of financial independence or achieving things that are intrinsically related to a woman's life, and that story was very um very much co-created with our with our partners such as uh, Quilt Achieve. We said, "How do we do this together?" Because in fact, if we stand together as an industry, if we work in partnership, we can do so much more on this mission. But in terms of my um, personal story that led me here, my um, mother comes from a family of eight, but she's got six sisters. Really strong female empowerment um, sort of gene. Uh, they are authors, writers, teachers, artists. And so I was always going to do female empowerment as, as my sort of cause in life. I came to London with a book called Faith Popcorn, How to Market to Women. And it was going to be, I was going to create a marketing agency for women. Um, and I, I started a marketing agency and I worked on things like getting young women playing sport and the uh, London 2012 and creating a legacy after the Olympics in sport, as well as big global sort of partnership. Partnership programs. Um, and so female empowerment was always there. And my father was an entrepreneur. Um, and he always taught me that, in fact, you know, you needed access to finance to grow your business. You needed to be savvy. And I was really fortunate that he took me on the journey. I went to, to meet my banking and finance partners when I was growing up, so with my dad. So I was always a lot more comfortable. Um, but one of the things I found that was in my personal life. I just wasn't comfortable. I didn't want to be more successful financially than a man. I didn't protect myself going into a marriage and a divorce. I was quite vulnerable when I got divorced. I hadn't sort of prepared myself. And so I thought, actually, I'm going to make this a two-sided mission to sort of take all of those influences, but really do something that arms and equip women so that they have the confidence, the knowledge, the right advice. So when they are facing moments in their life, whether it's personal, Uh, Whether it's just preparing yourself in a a relationship to have those kind of complex conversations or when things go wrong, as well as in business, we are going to get behind those women and ensure that they have, have that access.
0: And, and I think you're absolutely right. And my goodness, what a household to be growing up in. I, I feel sorry. I feel sorry for the father in that equation, because my my goodness, that would be quite something um, to be in a household like that. But I think, you know, you, you are incredibly lucky in the sense that your father did expose you to that from a, a young age, because I, I think there is almost a reliance on um, parents to do all of the financial education it isn't really picked up in schools as much as it should be. And there is almost an expectation that everyone, not just women, should understand and know this going out into the wide world. Um, So I think collaboration, as you've already said, and the collaborative work that called GV have done with the Wealthy Hair Network is absolutely pivotal to that. Um, I suppose it'd be useful for you to go through how do you go about delivering on that mission, on your personal mission, because you've sort of highlighted already there are so many different things intertwined with empowering women just about the financial aspects, because it does cover so much that is personal to them.
1: Yeah, I think one of, as I said, partnership is the core and collaboration is the core to how we enable that mission. Um, working with staunch partners such as such as yourselves, such as Achievia, um, and actually going where women are to deliver education, uh, advice, helping women to learn from each other. You know, we're going up and down the country with you and your team. One, one, one moment we're in London, the next we're in Manchester coming up. So I think that actually going where the women are, but doing it in a way that women want to engage and learn, which is, which is being inspired, getting the right advice, and then talking around the, you know, the, the commentary of what that means in the context of their lives and themselves and how they actually put that into practice. So that's a, a big key part. Um, of how we do it. Um, as, As we know, the research is so important. We've been researching since 2019. What are the needs of women? How have they shifted? What do they want? What are they, you know, where are their gaps? And there are big gaps, the investment gap, the funding gap. And what are the blockers to women investing more or, uh, you know, putting more in their pension or, you know, or protecting themselves more in relationships? And, and we really understand those and we take those into our partners, such as yourselves, and we say, what do we do differently? What do we do differently to take on that barrier and overcome it so that we can, we can really set, set women up for prosperity? And then in fact, women are busy how do we give them the tools that are reflect the busy lives of women and our multiple selves? Women are doing a lot more of the caring and responsibility, whether it's children, family, elderly parents. So how do we take information to them in a way that they want to, to receive it and engage? We just launched the um, membership, which has got a digital academy. So inspiring her stories of women who you know, tackled that problem and then actually advice from people such as yourselves. How do we put it into action with bite-sized things that you can take away so women can take on some of that in their own time.
0: And I think that's really relevant because let's face it we all see people wandering around with their earphones in so podcasts such as these allow women to access information while they're on the go because uh, I I know with a a seven-year-old at home it is a big juggling act that we need to to undertake so I think yes reaching out to women, making those conversations easier are extremely important things that we need to consider when creating such important content as understanding of finances and wealth. Um, And I think I suppose what we've found in the research that we've undertaken with our our own female client survey is actually um, women do approach wealth in a very different way. So in terms of your reports, which I I always find fascinating, I'm always reading them every year that they come out. When it does come to wealth, how do you think women define wealth and, and define this for themselves personally? one of the things that we've seen since we started researching although it has shifted
1: is that for women it is inextricably linked to the things that really matter to them personally so it's about it's about things like freedom and comfort for myself you know freedom is it financial independence and freedom has has performed its drop down in the cost of living crisis but that sort of freedom being able to provide comfort security for my loved ones um and um, giving me, uh, you know, the opportunity to have more balance or, or invest in the things that sort of will make a difference to my later life, um, other things that really matter to women. Whereas for men, we've seen more things such as actually financial success in and of itself is a goal. I've achieved that, therefore, um, yeah. in terms of financial outcome. Um, men talk more about um, actually being able to provide for my family that comes up more strongly so women are talking about this sort of more broader security pump that men are being able to provide and work-life balance or being able to retire early so that you know those are some of the real consistencies but we've seen that through this cost of living crisis and we researched um, the big uh, quantitative sort of piece at the end of last year was actually it's this sort of say you know it impacted the way women think about saving and investing so women are saving less investing slightly less there's more of a defensive I've got to protect myself and my family right now because we're facing these headwinds financially so we saw that come into play and that was a bit of a shift that before it was a lot more about those sort of intrinsic points and then this sort of cost of living saving impact you know that sort of protecting my family became more pertinent at the end of last year
0: and i think you're absolutely right because obviously and we've touched upon this in previous podcasts you know the the differential pay gap that exists between men and women in different sectors because they do tend to go into very different sectors actually does impact their capacity for saving and therefore there is a natural risk aversion when it comes to investing not because women are naturally risk averse but actually their capacity for loss so what they're able to lose isn't as much as men so I think this is something that we really want to to factor into the sorts of conversations that we as investment managers do have with women because it is important to invest but we have to appreciate that we need to take a slightly different approach when it does come to women Um, and I suppose You've touched upon, you know, we are living in in very challenging economic times. Um, From the research that you have done, how are women most affected by this specifically?
1: Um, one of the things that almost half of women feel that since the last piece of, so a year, a year later that their financial uh, position has worsened. Um, so almost, so almost half of women say my financial position has worsened. And therefore, as you say, your propensity for loss increases, um, women, two thirds of women think life has become more stressful. One of the things that's really interesting is if you look at women under 28 it's become even more stressful than than those for the general sort of women in general which is actually because they've got that crunch of some of them have got university debt they're trying to get on the property market on the ladder or they're you know so they've got you know increased rental um increases so they're feeling even more stressed and even more crunched financially um and in fact you know going back to your point about different you know understanding different needs of women in fact women's self-esteem or confidence is less than men but in fact you see that play out depending on your background so if a woman um has access her wealth in partnership or marriage she's actually got the lowest levels of confidence and financial confidence and when you dig beneath that in interviews you say you know talk to me about that let me understand and it's well, I don't think I can make it back. If I lost it, I can't make it back. It's not like I can just get another job yeah. or do something else. So that that you know that you can really see that coming um, into that kind of loss aversion, of what I don't, want, I can't afford to lose. And many are saying, you know, I've got this wealth, and I want to protect the futures of my children, and so I need to curate it so carefully and not put a foot wrong. So you see yeah. it playing out for for different women and different, and of course, that's not a universal truth. You know, women who access to the, the money, my marriage, you know some are, you know, ruling all of their investments, all like, you know, for the family, every, the business, yeah. but, you know, you can definitely see that difference coming, out, difference coming out. And you can see the impact on these, um, you know, on these challenging times. Women are historically really, you know, really confident in cash rises, um, but in fact, and saving, but in fact, even savings
0: taking a dent, women are saying, I'm saving less because of these challenging times. Uh, And I mean, that doesn't even take into account the fact that inflation is at incredibly high levels. And, uh, you know, although it is coming down slowly, um, you know, cash is not quite the safety net that everyone makes it out to be. Although the face value hasn't changed, actually, the buying power of that cash is being eroded. And I think this, again, goes back to that sort of education piece that we need to make sure that where individuals, uh, irrespective of gender, make that choice. Choice to go into cash, that actually they are mindful of, of what inflation can do to that. Um, and I mean, you have touched upon a, a number of really quite, uh, I suppose, unsettling um, areas that, that women do face, um, how do you think women can seize control of their worth, both personally and financially? Because you have said that you know women can feel very vulnerable and there are vulnerabilities that women do seem to have more so than men. So how do you feel women can start to bring a bit more control and empowerment to, to that? Yeah, I think it's so interesting as well, that vulnerability
1: point, because I just just touching on that before I say how we know some from some of our research is, you know, I we've had focus research groups and we've had women say, I don't suffer from vulnerability and I'm confident in this area. I've sold my company. And in fact, sometimes when you dig the game beneath the surface, actually, they have the same vulnerability of someone else because they've said, well, I've sold my company. I knew what to do with my company. And now I've got this money and I don't know this world. So I'm vulnerable, particularly in this changing market dynamic as much as someone who's accessed it through a divorce so This is a real thing for women and all sorts of women, not all women, but it is a real thing for many women. And I've certainly felt it myself. But one of the things that I think is really hopeful that we've seen through the pandemic, the cost of living crisis, is because it's a health driven crisis, because it's impacted our daily lives, energy prices. You know, I've talked to people doing interviews with coming to the, you know, in their hall, coming with a hat and a scarf because of the energy prices. It's impacted our daily lives, our family, our loved ones. 51% of women now say, I want to take control. I want to step forward. I want to get more information because this impacts me and impacts my family and I need to know. So, and that's up about 15%, which I see, you know, is super hopeful. Um, And the thing that does help Getting the right advice and talking to advisors such as yourself who really get them, who get their lives, who understand what they want to do, what the risks are for them, what the loss, you know, that they might be facing in their kind of attitude, you know, from their kind of attitudinal point of view, plans, you know, a plan really, really helps. But only 55% of women do not have a plan. Um, People talk of shared financial plans. So, you know, the number one, you know, one of the kind of key success ingredients for a relationship is financial chemistry. Yet, if you talk to couples, how many of you have a shared financial plan? So women don't have a plan themselves, and they don't have a shared financial plan, yet you're trying to, you know, decide everything for your family, where you go on holiday, what you do when you, you know, so actually those two things, I think, you know, really set them free is having a plan, not just one for yourself, but one, for your kind of life and family if you're in a family could be your parents but another
0: is um that kind of getting the right advice asking questions and I think that that's the the crux of the matter isn't it it's beginning those conversations in the first place. It always astonishes me when I'm speaking with my clients and they almost feel like they should have an understanding of markets and how they work. And I have to almost stress to them that, you know, I needed four years of qualifications um, to make sure that I understood the market. So this is not something that everybody should know, but if you start having those conversations, sharing with your, your partners, you know, wider family, what your concerns are, what your hopes are for the future, actually that can be the foundations for moving forward. and I think we, we know certainly from Quilt Achieve its own research that because women are less confident when making investment decisions, they do tend to revert to what they know, such as cash and property. You've already alluded to the fact that women are actually quite diligent savers and are very good at things like cash ices. But why do you think there is this almost reversion to just cash and property? I mean, is it very much that familiarity piece? Yeah, I mean, I think I've read a lot of books on this, a lot of research myself, and you see that actually a
1: lot of people revert to what they know um, and what you grew up with. So I found, you know, my my family were property. My dad was a property guy. He invested in property, built property. And so I, that was my, my, that was my route as well, because it's that familiarity point. I understand property. We've also asked women and it's very familiar, like I get, it's tangible. I get it. I yes. see a building. I, you know, I know that if I do this to the building, I add this, and then we sell it or we rent it. This is my return. So, it's very, I get it. And same with saving. You know, I get it. But the number one thing that really drives engagement with it is confidence in terms of those more, com- not more complex, but in the world of investing. So, if you look at that world of everyday finance, women are really confident at that. They're very engaged. As I said, mortgages, ices, saving for the family, junior ices, very involved. But when it comes to long-term investing, they're less involved, they're less engaged, they they do it less. And the only 30% of women feel confident in in investing. So we really need to work to help women feel confident to invest, understand the parameters of that, uh, get the right advice to help them to get that understanding. And the number one thing that drives that confidence, education, And done in female terms, understanding what it means, asking questions and giving them that advice as it relates to their life and the things they want to achieve through that investment.
0: Absolutely. And and I think what's really interesting when we have conversations with clients and when I'm talking to my clients who perhaps come from more of a a property background, um, like you say, they, they understand it. It's a tangible, physical object that you can go out and touch. But what I think, particularly in these uncertain times, is property doesn't necessarily give you flexibility. So I, I say to my clients, it's not as if you can chip off a bit of your chimney, sell that uh, to be able to meet unforeseen situations that will crop up, whereas investing can give you that, that flexibility. And indeed, you know, we, we have been able to tangibly demonstrate that investing is a great way to overcome some of the gaps that you've mentioned previously. Um so, from your own research, what do women want to see out of their investments?
1: It goes back to that, um, you know, those life goals. So, for some, it's, you know, I want to shore up my own, my daily life, actually, security, comfort, freedom absolutely run through that and being able to do do things with that and education so education I want to you know women want to be able to educate their children or provide Mm -hmm. for their care and that features very very strongly Um, a woman will invest in her child's education before she'll put money in her pension um, and I yeah. certainly feel as a parent you know my number one priority is not my long term future it's including that kind of nurture and education of my son comes first and that comes second and that's a very you know female thing I'll look after everybody else and then I'll look after me and we do see that gap playing out in the pension gap for women it's closing it's closing for younger women Legislation's changed that but in fact that is still something we need to secure women's future, longer term futures, um, and we're also getting that double impact of care for elderly parents. So that kind of That's financial real. care and burden. So planning for all of these, I think, is is, is really really key, and it's a different pl- type of planning than anything we saw in our parents' generation. It's different for us, and it's you know, and it's changing. So. Um, again just going back to those things that women want to see um, is, is around those things that are about their themselves their loved ones um, women are absolutely which I love to see um, re- when they are investing they want to invest in socially responsible sustainable businesses um, they're doubling down on, on anything that's negative things like any you know I think in response to macro environments anything that's you know, seem to be involved in arms, weapons, exploitation, animal testing, human rights abusing, that's doubled in the last year. So women are saying, absolutely not. I will not do things that are, you know, are having this sort of wider, Negative impact on the world, and you really see that women want to align to investments, to you know, to their own values and with organisations that respect those values. So I think that that is, you know, women offer great hope in that. If we can get women investing, we help everybody in terms of their loved ones and families, but we also help all the wider world and society.
0: Absolutely, and I mean, this is what we've seen. I mean, achievia have our own socially responsible investing team that analyse exactly these types of areas look at all the sorts of investments that we make and and actually are able to highlight areas of either concern or or positivity. And that's helping inform um, all of our clients, not just women about actually, if you do want to make a positive difference, there are means in which you can invest to instigate wider change globally. Um, And certainly in the conversations that I have with clients, that that element, the the ethical, social and, and governance areas, Um, environmental areas as well it it very much is driven by the, the female parties in relationships and it's definitely questions I get more from from women than necessarily men um, and I suppose it, it's those positive changes that we can see coming about, not only from women wanting to get more financial education, but also wanting to make meaningful investments that can change the world. Um, I, I suppose we really want to sort of have a, a look and reflect on 2023, what's happened there. Um, what do you hope to see change in your next research findings? And I, I suppose look to a more positive future, because things are changing, or be it slowly, um, but changing for the better. I
1: mean, I think I want would love to see that continued dre- trend of more women seizing control, more women getting actively involved, um, looking at the world of investing. Because as you say, you know, going back to your point on property, you can't chip off your chimney, but it's an incredibly hard time to be a landlord as well. And it doesn't give you flexibility and there's yeah. more investment required to keep to keep everything going in the current in the current world. So I think that taking control um, using our voice and our influence, because as you say, we have the ability If we make the right investment choices, engage with the right businesses. We have the power. 60% of the UK's wealth will be in the hands of women by 2025, making decisions. We have the power to change things. I have a small, tiny story, which makes me so happy in that Mattel and Barbie off the success of the female empowerment movie that is Barbie have just announced that they will be plastic free. Barbie will be plastic free by 2023 in response to this sort of, you know, environmental push, which is just, you know, shows the power of our positive voice. And we have that power yeah. in the investment choices we make from our pension to invest, you know, investment products. And it's great that we have people like you and your teams helping them to make those choices and understand the benefit of those choices. Um, I want to see, continue to see the pension gap continue to close for all women, not just those, you know, it's not too late to start. Even if you didn't, if you chose child's education like me, start thinking about that pension because life is long and women are living nearly 10% longer than men, depending where you look at the global study. the leadership gap, we know that in fact, the, there is a leadership gap. Only nine um, of the FTSE 100 CEOs are women. Uh, we just lost a good one. Um, you know, There is that, that we need to continue to change that. And there still are perception gaps of, of women's propensity to lead. So we need to continue to challenge that. The investment gap, want to see that actively change, do not want to see this financial blip that we're having in the sort of broader context, the sort of drag us backwards on progress of women getting investing Um, and continue to, we know that, as I said, this financial confidence and the role of education within that unlocks women stepping forward, taking control. So we need to continue to fuel that together through the power of partnership by going where women are, giving them information like through this podcast and more people doing it. Because if we all stand together, we can have, which we do and we are, we can really change things en masse.
0: And, and I have to say, every time I speak with you, work with you, tomorrow, you're an absolute inspiration. And I think the the work that you're doing um, at the moment on female entrepreneurs is. Just remarkable. And and I think, yes, we we do have a lot of power when working together and spreading those messages out to the wider community and really getting women feeling that confidence to go out there and and seize control of of not only their finances, but their own lives and the direction of travel that they can take moving forward. And I suppose, in a way to, to kind of sum up, because we've we've covered a lot in a very short space of time. What would be your calls to action for for the women listening today in terms of next steps, small steps that they can take that that potentially can make a really big difference in their lives? Um,
1: One is a more personal and the others are more stepped. But one is, I think, you know, really knowing your worth and protecting your worth, I think is really important. And that goes from whether you are, You know, in a pay negotiation, or you're asking for a pay rise, or you're holding the line on your value because I think then then you have more to invest, you have more choices. So I think that is really important in terms of that worth conversation. Or, you know, I went into marriage later in life. I had assets. I was only married for a very short time. I lost some of those assets to that marriage. Um, In fact, going in and saying, you know, I love you, you love me, but let's be sensible. Let's protect individual assets that we come in with um, and that's a hard conversation but that's just protecting my worth and, and it's fair and it's logical and it's hard when it's emotional but i think that holding our worth through the different lenses of our life and thinking of ourselves within that context versus the other people first i think is my one big piece of advice um, i think um, getting um Advice and asking questions. I have been so fortunate to be surrounded by people like yourself, Vanessa. I can ask you any question and you will tell me in simple steps sometimes I make you draw a diagram of what it means Um, I am by no means I am a financial nightmare I really have only just started my journey through the wealthy her experience you know I've been doing complicated fundraising and again for wealthy her and I've been like I don't even understand I have to ask a question but ask questions ask it of those people that know ask any question don't there is no Um, there is no silly question and also start talking to others about it, men, women, because in fact, we can learn from each other. And I think that, um, have a plan because it improves confidence. Um, it may, it reduces stress because you know what you're doing and how you're doing it. So get a plan, um, and the plan will change. But if you have a plan and you are taking conscious steps to manage uh, those possibilities, because it is really about yourself and your life and your loved ones,
0: that plan will help you achieve those things. And it goes back to that whole well-being aspect of things. If you have a plan, you know the direction of travel, things can always change and you can always pivot. And yes, I completely um, agree with you. I am always an advocate for questions because let's face it, Anyone that asks a question, there are usually two or three people in that same room that want to ask exactly the same question, but are fearful of looking silly or thinking that other people know more than them. And so, no, I absolutely agree uh, with that. And thank you for your kind comments, because it has been an absolute pleasure working with you. And I've learned so much from you in terms of what the Wealthier Network do. And, you know, I'm absolutely a support and advocate for for the mission. So uh, all I can say is, Tamara, thank you so much for those great insights. Um, And hopefully everyone listening today can take inspiration from everything that you've covered. but I certainly have, and say we really hope that you have enjoyed the discussion that we've had on the podcast today Um, we'd love to hear from our listeners uh, any feedback you may have so please do review the show now wherever you're listening and share it on your socials you know we want to send these messages out there so being able to to tag us at Quilt Achieve It is uh, an incredibly important feature Um, and also please let us know what we should be covering Um, it's really important for us to understand what you our listeners would like for us to cover. So if there are topics within the world of finance that you want to understand more about, please do get in touch and let us know. And to make sure you don't miss a future episode, please do tap the subscribe button. And in the meantime, um, going back to education uh, and knowing more um, about finances, please do head over to our website at www.quiltachieviet.com, where you can visit our Women in Investing Hub for our latest news, industry insights and upcoming events and webinars. Thank you so much for your time and we look forward to seeing you again soon.